But uh, can we all stand up for a minute, please, if that's OK? Hmm. I just felt God said uh, that I should do this today. Because for many of us here, this is what life is like. You go through a phase, you go through a season, and once you think it's, it's over, you've accomplished it, and it's all sorted, and you sit down nice and comfortable, you've got to start all over again. And I just felt that God wants to encourage you. God says that he takes pride in you. You have been fighting for him. You have been serving him faithfully. And he wants to encourage you to keep on going. I just felt that God uh, said that uh, we should remind ourselves that if it's nice and comfortable, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. If it's nice and comfortable, it doesn't necessarily mean we're in the right place. God will move us out of our comfort zone. And that's the beauty of it. I felt God called us all on a journey. Some of us are already on it walking with him hand in hand. In fact, letting him lead. And that's how God wants it. So if you feel that you're comfortable, doesn't necessarily mean you're in the right place. Ask God to come and break the barriers for you. If you could take your seats, please. Sorry I had to do this, but I just thought, this is what life is like sometimes. You become comfortable, and you think it's all sorted. God is calling us all out of our comfort zones. Open your eyes and ears. Get set ready. Be on your guards. God is calling us. We all have great callings on our lives. As Drive said about the praise and prophetic uh, Sunday next week, I'm actually going to come here with great expectations because our God is great. And when we come before Him, we have great expectations. So I want to encourage you to come ready to hear from God for the church and come ready to hear from God through your brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm going to come here next week expecting God to show me miracles. I'm coming here next week to see healings. I'm coming here seeing people restored next week. And I'm not going to wait till next week, but next Sunday when I come in here, I have great expectations of my great God. His name is Jesus. And I want to encourage you to be the same. As you come in, be on guard. Be ready. Keep praying throughout the week for words, for pictures, for whatever he has for you and for the church to be built because he is building his church. And come ready to hear from God. And it's not going necessarily to be what you'd like to hear. And in fact, I can guarantee that most of the time it's not what you'd like to hear because his ways are different from ours. But come ready to hear from him. Let's get to the last chapter of Mark. So today we'll be studying the last chapter of Mark. Um, I was checking with Simon this morning, and we started to go through the Gospel of Mark in September 2013. And today we're going through the last chapter, chapter 16. Um, Now that we're getting towards the end of January, uh, New Year resolutions are something that we put to aside, and we've forgotten about already. You don't need to answer this, but how many of you have got, had New Year resolution and have forgotten about it already? Some of you might think you've accomplished it, but perhaps not. Uh, did it include anything to do with God? Did it include anything to do with the Word of God? Did it include uh, a commitment to a really deeping, 
down to the Word of God. Christmas and New Year are over. You can tell when you go to the town center because there's not much of shopping going around, not much of music. People are uh, just normal. There's no sense of festive and joy in, in the air. But do we have to wait until Easter, until April, so that we can get everything going again and say, yeah, another festive time? I was telling one of my Christian friends um, that we don't have to wait for Easter. And he said, of course we don't have to wait till April, because Valentine is in February. Uh, um, I've invited him on Alpha. Uh, But as Christians, we don't have to wait for Easter, because every day can be Easter for us. It's every day that we can declare the victory that Jesus has already won on the cross. It's every day that we can declare that. And I want to encourage you to be doing that every single day. It's not Easter today, well, based on the calendar, but we're going to, you've guessed it right, we're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about the living God, living Jesus. And you can do that every day, every hour of your life. And I want to encourage you to do that and declare it every single hour of your life, that Jesus Christ is alive. Because you know what? He's different from anyone else. He is different. No other leader of any religion claims to be alive, well, after death. In fact, if you ask their followers, they wouldn't claim that their leader is alive after death. Some of them know where the the grave of their leader or founder is. What about Jesus? Praise God that even if they say, yes, this was the tomb, it's empty. (laughs) Praise God that it's empty. Because once you look at it, it just raises your faith. For many, many years, I was worshipping God, a God, I was worshipping a God that wasn't real. In fact, I was worshipping the, the founders of that religion, even knowing that they were dead. Nobody claimed that they were alive. For some of them, we knew where the tomb was. In fact, for every year or so, you had to go and pay pilgrimage. You have to go and pay respect. With Jesus, you go at the foot of the cross, you look at it, and there's nobody there. Because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is alive, and that's what makes him different. The first time I was reading the, uh, the Gospels, I was at, uh, around the age of 14. And the bit that really made me jump off my seat was when I got to the resurrection of Jesus. Because um, Growing up in a Muslim family, uh, we were always told that Jesus was a good prophet. He was a good man. And he didn't die. He's still alive. He didn't die. Uh, God didn't allow him to be crucified. So he took him up. And we thought, okay, yes, he's alive. Then I was reading the Gospels. Well, it's a long story how I managed to get one. But I was reading through them. And as I was reading through it, I came to the bit where Jesus was crucified. And I thought to myself, oh, oh. Even the book itself says that Jesus died. So he must be dead. And then as I kept on reading, I got to the point where it said that he rose from the grave. And it left me with no excuse to give him my life. It was at that moment, the first time I read the Gospels, the four of them all at once. And it was just because of the part that I got to. Jesus died. Everybody said he died. Even his close friends said he died. And I was left like, oh, so this must be, I must look, I should look somewhere else then, because he's dead as well, just like 
the people who were talking to me in the past, just like the people that we received the teachings from. But he's not dead. He rose again. Even the grave and the power of death couldn't hold him down. That's a long, long introduction, but hey. <laughs> Barry was saying a few weeks ago, it's never normal when you're doing something in the front, whether it's anchoring or, well, I hope he said that in a good sense. I didn't get the, the impression, but hey, not offended at all. Um, I guess many of us have watched the movie Passion of the Christ. Uh, it's about the last few hours of the life of Jesus on this earth, and it really pictures how Jesus was uh, beaten, how he was tortured, and he was crucified. And as you, you watch it, it just really, I mean, we watched it with faster subtitles in our community group. Luke really helps us with that. He gets the subtitles in English, and then Mushtawa translates them, puts them back into the movie. So we sit down and watch it together as a community. Uh, and as we were watching it, I could hear a couple of the Iranian guys shouting, oh, if I was there, I would kill the, these people, I would kill these Roman soldiers. Why, that, why are they beating Jesus like this? And, you know, all the zealous talks. And then there's only less than 30 seconds at the end of the movie that gives the movie a whole sense. And it's the bit that Jesus raised from the dead, and he walks out of the tomb. And it's, it's about less than 30 seconds. But without it, the whole movie would be just nonsense. It wouldn't make any sense at all. But with only 30 seconds in that, we, we all went, yay, Jesus is alive. And he is indeed. Now, it's not like he's got it all. It's not like he's, he's been raised, he's alive, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And yeah, it's all good and it's all great. You can, have part of, you can be part of it as well. You can have, have it as well. Because of his victory, you can be included in. So if you're not already in, come and talk to us. I want to encourage you to go on Alpha. I want to encourage you to come and talk to us. If you don't already know him as risen Lord, as the one true king. As Christians, it's great that we're part of it as well. We're part of God's plan. I just love it, how God uses us. And as we heard uh, from Raj this morning as well, he just uses the unlikely. We get to it as well um, in this passage. We'll get to read uh, how he uses the unlikely. So if you think that you're the unlikely, then you're in the right place. Um, let's read the passage, Mark 16, 1 to 20. It's going to be a bit long, but it's great because it's the word of God. So even if it's a bit long, it's great. Right, I'll be reading from Mark 16, 1 to 20. Uh, if you've got a Bible, please turn to Mark 16. If you haven't, the words will be projected on the screen. So here we go. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him, meaning Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, the sun had risen. They went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. 
And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. But, then, but when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things had appeared in another form to two of them, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterwards, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Amen. Just a bit of uh, an overview uh, on the passage, and just before we get started with the, uh, with the main points, there are debates over verses 9 to 20. Now, um, you might have heard or you might have seen in your uh, Bible footnote that uh, although the vast majority of later Greek manuscripts uh, contain and include Mark uh, 16, 9 to 20, it generally ends in verse 8 in two of the oldest manuscripts. Uh, so some argue that the vocabulary is not the same as the rest of the Gospel of Mark, um, and the, the structure of writing is not very familiar. Uh, we also see it used uh, by some of the early church fathers, like Irenaeus, between 150 to 200. He's quoted verse 19 of it. So they must have known that it was around. They must have known that this was included in the Gospel. And I personally don't believe that uh, I can't accept that just a difference uh, of a style and structure means that this isn't uh, valid. Uh, but most importantly, this doesn't give us any new information. And it doesn't contradict any other part uh, of the Bible. So, and it is in the Word of God. So I just thought I'd mention that at the beginning. Um, the important thing is, it just, in fact, confirms the rest of the Gospels. Um, so that's important for us to know as Christians. I just love it how Christians really go through this and try to find evidence. They go through this and try to find whatever they can to prove that this is right. They examine all of it. There are lots and lots of Christian scholars who go through it. Uh, scholars in the New Testament, Old Testament, they examine all parts of it. And it's just great. We just don't take it as, yeah, this is blind faith. Yeah, this is the word of God. No, it is. And we have evidence to prove that this is the word of God. Um, right. My notes aren't stapled together, so I've... But good job that I've got some uh, page numbers at the bottom. Yeah, let's get there. <laughs> Brilliant. So just to help us in knowing where I'm going with this, I've got three points. But more importantly, I've got the three points for you to know when I'm about to finish. 
Because when, when I get to, to, the, uh, to, to point three, to the third point, then you know, yes, within 45 minutes I'll be finished. So let's get along with it. <laughs> so the first point is encouragement in the time of fear and having faith when times are hard. Because when you are in fear, you need encouragement. When times are hard, that's when faith comes in. That's when you really can test your faith and see what, where things are going. Uh, we read that in, in this passage that early on the first uh, day of the week, the three ladies wake up and they've got a mission. What do you do on the first day of the week on a Monday here? If you're like Sean, you'd be looking for your jean under a pile of clothes that is under another pile of stuff. You put it on and you go to uni. Um, some of us wake up, uh, have a shower, big bowl of cereal and some other breakfast, and you go to work. With these ladies, it was really different. In fact, different from any other first day of the week um, in their lives. So they woke up, and they went on their mission. It wasn't that they couldn't go any time earlier, but these ladies were devout Jews. They were Jews who loved God, and they were trying to keep the, uh, the mosaic laws as best as they could. So they couldn't go any earlier because it would have been against the rules of Sabbath. They would have broken the rules of Sabbath if they'd gone any earlier. But as the sun came up, so it meant a new day had started, they get started, they've already bought some spices and some of the things that they used to bury the dead, and they go along the tomb, uh, along the way uh, to the tomb. And as they go along, you can imagine that they're mourning and they're trying to comfort one another and they're crying, but at the same time, they're trying to keep quiet. It's almost impossible, isn't it? For three Middle Eastern women to try and mourn and at the same time to keep quiet. Trust me, even when they're not mourning, it's really hard to keep them quiet. But when they mourn, it's just... (laughs) But they're going along. They're actually going against everything in their culture. They're women, first of all. They're on the road, in the streets. They're going... They've got a mission that is almost impossible for everybody else, but they've really got it in their heart. They're ready to go. And along the way, one of them asks the others, oh, what do we do with the stone in front of the tomb? What do we do with the Roman soldiers? How do we, what do we do? And as they're talking about it, they get to the point. Now, the easiest thing for them would have been to sit at home and say, okay, there's a big stone. We can't possibly move. There are Roman soldiers. We can't fight them. Even Peter can't fight them. He did, but then Jesus told him to put his sword away. So we've got two, two big obstacles on the way. So I'll tell you what. Let's just stay home, cook a nice breakfast. with just, just the three of us all invite the others as well, or the other disciples who are mourning. Let's just eat together. And, well, we tried. We couldn't do anything. But... They don't care whether there are obstacles on the way or not. They feel that this is what they've got to do, and they go along the way to do it. This is faith, knowing that there are big obstacles, but you still go ahead and do it. This is what I call faith. So they went along. On the way, they were talking, trying to keep quiet. And as they get there, and as they're asking the question, how do we move the stone, how do we roll it away, one of them looks and the stone has been rolled away. Amazing. So I can imagine they were joyful, thinking, oh, yes, this is what we wanted. This is the... 
the, uh, the first obstacle out the way. And as they go along, they're in a bittersweet moment. Because first of all, they want to do what they want to do out of respect and honor for Jesus. They want to respect this man who came and taught them for many years, who, this man who came and performed miracles, this great teacher, their master, this great guy who healed many, this great guy who raised Lazarus from death to life, this great guy who healed Mary Magdalene, as we read, this guy who healed lepers, this guy who, who went out of his way. And they thought, wow, there's the smell of a new season in the air. And as they were thinking, oh, there's something new about to happen, a tragedy, one of the greatest tragedies in their lives happened. This great teacher, master, healer, he was arrested, he was beaten, tortured, and died. That is a tragedy. But, well, now he's dead. What do we do? We've still got to respect him as our great friend. So they still go to respect him. They get to do what they want to do. But on the other hand, they know that their teacher is dead. A bittersweet moment. I was in that moment just before Christmas when I got my Christmas gift from Malish. In one hand, I wanted to be happy. In the other, I was just like, um, upset. <laughs> Can you guess what my Christmas gift was? <laughs> it was gym membership. <laughs> Now I know I'm growing sidewise, and yeah, and that, that's a good thing sometimes. But she could have been more gracious. So I was really looking, oh great, I've got a gift. Oh no, it's gym membership. Uh, <laughs> now that means I've got to go and do some exercise. The good thing is the gym has a sauna, so that's my resting place. <laughs> that's a great place to be. So yeah, it still hurts. Ah, got to really try hard to forgive her, but hey, it's life. <laughs> So these ladies were in that situation. They were really happy that the stone has been rolled away. They were really happy they can get to Jesus, their teacher. They can get the body. But at the, at the same time, oh, he's dead. He was alive. And as they go in, there is somebody there in a white robe telling them two things. First of all, come on, have a look for yourself. It's empty. This is the same place that... You brought Jesus on Friday. This is the same place. Come and have a look. He's not here. And then, what I'd like you to do is to go and tell others. So, gave them two missions. One was to look and verify. Yes, Jesus' body isn't there. Amazing. Well, I can imagine the first thing they thought wasn't that, oh, he's risen, he's alive. The first thing they thought, oh, somebody must have stolen it. What did he do to his body? We want to respect and honor him. But then the angel tells them, he's alive. Go and tell the, the others and Peter that he's alive. And he will see you in Galilee. Now, notice how the angel singles out Peter. Um, it's because, I believe, God wants to restore Peter. Because he was the one saying to Jesus, if everybody leaves you, I will not leave you. I'll be with you till the end. I am the one who will be with you. I'm the cool guy. Don't worry about these guys. I mean, they'll, be, they'll all be gone. I will be with you. And Jesus tells him, you will deny me three times. And in fact, he does, because Jesus never lies. The Bible tells us that Peter denies Jesus. So when he denies Jesus, he's ashamed, he's embarrassed. But shame and embarrassment are the things that we bring at the foot of the cross and we lay it there. 
That's why Jesus went on the cross, because of the shame of our sins, because of the embarrassment of our sins. And then we bring them and lay, lay them there. And what he shows us is love and grace. And God wants to restore Peter, so he singles him out, saying, go and tell them and Peter. It's a great thing for Peter to know that Jesus is alive, isn't it? For all of them. But then what do they do as these ladies go there? They don't believe them. Well, Jesus does it in different ways. He uses the unlikely. The most unlikely people to have been used to go and tell others that Jesus is alive are these are women, first of all, because in that culture, even their testimony wasn't reliable. You couldn't really rely on their testimony. And then, one of them was this woman, Mary Magdalene, who wasn't the most righteous person. That's how God does things. He uses the most unlikely. Well, he's used me, so you can tell. He uses the most unlikely. He tells these three ladies to go and do the job. And they do it. And the disciples don't believe him. When they get to the stone, it was rolled away. Do we have any stones in our lives that are blocking our way? Oh, well, it seems I'm the only one here then. Um, but we, we all have hurdles in our way. As you go to preach the gospel, as you step out for God, as you step out in faith, there will be hurdles in the way. But you know what you can do? Just like these ladies, ask God, who will do it? And God will say, I will do it. <laughs> The answer is that he will do it. As you go out of your comfort zone, as you step out and go to do God's work, what he's called you to do, there are hurdles, but when you get to them, don't try to move them because you can't. You're not strong enough. Rely on his strength. Ask him to come and move them. And when he does, give him all the glory and praise. And when he says no, trust him because he doesn't want you to move any further. His ways are not our ways. He thinks different. When he says no, take it as a no. When he says no, rejoice, because he knows best. And if it's a no, it's great, because it's not for me. And when he calls you to do something, step out in faith. It's going to be hard, it's not easy, but it's great. Jesus never promised that it would be easy. In fact, as soon as I became a Christian, that's when all the troubles started. At the age of around 14 or 15, but I considered them all honor and a privilege. It's a great honor. Who are you going to ask to roll the stones in your life away? His name is Jesus, by the way. Mm. Right, the second point. Obedience to the Lord is what I've chosen. Uh, These women heard the angel speak. The angel had a simple mission and gave a mission to these ladies. If you're in a situation where you're really thinking, uh, well, does God really exist? Uh, I mean, yes, I hear Jesus is alive, but I'm not really sure. Uh, If you're in a situation where you think, "Mm, I'd like to know more about him, but I'm not so sure, he's ready. He is alive and he's ready for you, waiting. 
to accept you. Then. Provided that you are interested in a relationship with him, he will reveal it to you that he is alive. He will reveal it to you that he is the one that you seek. He will reveal it to you that he is the answer to all your questions. These ladies were obedient to God, and they did, and they took the message. Be obedient to God and take the message. It's not a specific message for all of us that we have to hear from God. It's specifically, yes, you have to take the message forward. This is what I've called you to do. No, it's for all of us to preach the gospel. It's for all of us to go out and proclaim the good news. And there are many who are thirsty. There are many waiting to hear. There are many who are really, really from their heart seeking to be in a relationship with God. So preaching the gospel is not something for specific people. It's not something that you must have a specific calling. Of course, uh, gifts are different and um, have been given to each of us individually, but it's for all of us to take the gospel to wherever we go. So when you go to work, take the gospel, proclaim it. Be obedient to God. This is what he has called us to be. Obedient people. Now, obedience sometimes costs us, but it's great because you're giving up something for God. <laughs> I mean, he's given everything for you. What can you give for him, possibly? You can never outgive him. What can you possibly give to be equal? What can you possibly give to say, okay, we're now equal? He gave his son who gave his life for you and I. So be obedient to God. I want to encourage you as you go out, uh, don't think that you've got to conform to the culture of the world. Yes, when you talk to people about Jesus, they've probably only heard his name in odd places and not the way that we know him, but go and tell them who real Jesus is. Yes, the culture will laugh at us. I remember that a couple of my friends at university laughed at me when they first found out that I'm Christian. Oh, you don't possibly believe in God. You don't possibly believe that there's just one. You don't possibly believe that he was crucified. Well, the answer to all of it was yes. Don't worry about the peer pressure. When God goes before you, nothing can stand against him. There's nothing that can stand against him. He even overcame death, the, the greatest power something that human beings are really trying hard to overcome. But I tell you what, we never will unless you believe in Lord Jesus and that you're guaranteed eternal life. I know that if I say goodbye to this world today or when the time has come for me, I know where I'm going. Guaranteed, I'll be spending eternity with him. Now, if this is something that you want, then there's only one answer, Jesus Christ. If you want to know where you'll end up once your days are over on this earth, the answer is Jesus Christ. It's, it's a great joy for me to know that it's guaranteed because in the past, it was all up to me and what I would do. It was always my good against bad. And you know what? Bad always outweighs. <laughs> but I'm guaranteed in Jesus Christ that the moment I say goodbye to this earth, that the moment that my days are over, I will spend eternity with him. And it's great that for so many Christians, they're actually looking forward to the day that they will, they will leave this earth. So many people are trying to hang on to it uh, for just a day longer. But for Christians, 
Because this is our joy. This is our ultimate destination, to go and be with him every single day, every single hour. So I can't really wait for it. I really look forward to it. But he has things for me. He has tasks for me. He has things for me to do on this earth. But when the time comes, I'm not going to hang on any minute, never never mind a day. When the time comes, I'm just going to go where I really belong. I'm going to go where I'm guaranteed with him. Are you the same? Do you, do you really know where you're going when, you, when your days are over on this earth? Or when he comes, if that's any earlier? Whichever comes first. Are you guaranteed? If not, come and talk to us. Because it's really important. We're talking about eternity. Never-ending days. Oh, I can't wait for it. Um, Now, amazement at Lord Jesus, at what Jesus did, is something common in the Gospel of Mark. We, We hear from the very first chapter, and people were amazed and they were amazed, they were astonished, different words used, but people were amazed at whatever Jesus was doing. Whenever he spoke something, oh, he's a great teacher, and people were amazed. He healed somebody, oh, he's healing somebody, let's go and tell everybody, let's go and bring the sick. He, everything he did, people were amazed. So it's something very, very common. And you would expect the disciples to really have noticed it, to notice that people around Jesus are amazed at him. They were amazed. So you expect them, as soon as they hear that Jesus is alive, they would go, wow, we're amazed. But what do they do? They just, well, you can't really believe them. It's just illusion. It's too early in the morning. They've woken up. They've gone there. It's too early in the morning. It's all the morning and everything that they've been mourning. It's, it's all of that. So don't worry about it. But you would expect them to really be amazed and say, yes, this is what he promised. This is what he said. This is what he told us, remember? But none of them do. Where is obedience gone? Obedience comes from heart. And if it's not from your heart, it doesn't mean anything to God. Without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. So if you're doing it, do it out of faith. If you're amazed at what Jesus does, if you're amazed at what he has already done in your life, and if you want to be amazed at what he's going to do through you and through the church, then it's got to be out of faith. When was the last time you gave up something for the sake of gospel? Because I did say obedience costs you, frank and honest. When was the last time you gave up something for God? A real question for you to think about. Because when it comes to God, our lives must be on the line for him. What better thing do we have to give? When it comes to him and to his obedience, you must be ready to give everything and all you have. Are you at that point? Are you really devoted to him? Are you really going to give him everything, including your life, if you ask for or if... Oh, you're not there yet. I'm not so sure. I've got to keep this bit to myself. Obedience comes from heart, as I mentioned. Now think about it. Obedience is not something that we choose. Okay, I'm going to do this, God, and you are going to sort it out. No, God tells us. He puts us in the place. God tells us what to do and how to do it. And you just say, yes, God. And it's going to cost you money. Okay, no problem. And it's going to cost you your time. That's fine. It's going to cost you your energy, your effort, and everything. That's fine. 
it's going to cost you your life even better. Are we ready? Are we at that point? Or we think, no, we're, not, we're still not so sure yet. Mm, I think you got it wrong, Jesus, because I'm better at doing this. So I'd rather do this. And if it's not this, then it's fine. Uh, I'll just forget about it. I'll come back to you another time when you're in a better mood. God doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't work that way. If you think you're the best person for doing something, then you can't be further from it. If you think that you're the best person, then you're actually not, because God uses the unlikely. But if you think you're the unlikely, then that's more likely that you're closer to it. If you think you're the unlikely, you're closer. If you think you're the unlikely, then you're not leaving any space for anyone to say, yes, he or she did it. Because you're the unlikely, it's God, and all the glory goes to him. Because his grace is sufficient for us. So if I am the unlikely, then whatever I do for the glory of God is not through me, but it's him who does it. It's not by my strength. It's not by whatever I have, the skills and the giftings. It's all through him. So if you're not prepared to allow him to work in you, if you're not prepared to be obedient to him and allow him to do what what he wants to do through you, then I want to encourage you to pray about it. I want to encourage you to go back to him, as Mavish said, to your secret place and say, God, I'm still not prepared. Is this what you really want me to do? I really want to do this. And when you hear a no, then it's a no. God works in different ways. Now, I mentioned that I've got something in here at the beginning. Can you guess what's in there? A rabbit? Yeah. Elephant. Did you get close? Kebab. That's right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> right. I've got a snake here. Yeah? Seriously. <laughs> I know why I've brought it here today. It's because, as we just read in this passage... The snakes will bite you. Nothing will happen. So what I'm going to do is ask Simon to put his hand in there and get the snake out for me. I didn't get Raj to do it because he's a doctor. He might not have to sort himself out afterwards, so it doesn't count. So I'm going to ask Simon to do it. Uh, if you want to have a word with Jody and the kids beforehand, because <laughs> you never know what happens. <laughs> I mean, who am I to say who's faithful and who isn't? So... This is a test. Let's find out if Simon is faithful. Come on, sir. I'm not so trusting you here. Oh, well, trust in God. (laughs) 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 No pulse in here. (laughs) Take it out, out, please, yes. Did it not beat you? (laughs) I told you, sister. So Simon is a good believer. Eh? Do you want to try it again? <laughs> I thought this is a good idea to bring it because there are people who practice this. There are people in the world who say, based on this passage, let's put your hand in there. No bite. Okay, you're a good believer. If it bit you, then sorry. No, you're not. But this isn't actually what the passage tells us. You can't really think that this passage is telling us to go and try this. What did Jesus say? When Satan told him, throw yourself down here, no 
it's written in the Bible. He was actually using the Bible saying, if you throw yourself down, he's not going to let you let any harm to come near you. He's going to sort you out. He'll send his angels to come and grab you and take you. What did Jesus say? Do not test the Lord your God. So never try to test God. His words are true. Never try to test him. Never try to test him with snakes or anything else. Do not test the Lord your God. And we learn from Jesus. Even if people come and quote the passage from the Bible to you saying, well, this is the Bible, what the Bible says. Don't you believe this is the word of God? Yes, we do believe that this is the word of God. But then try to look at it within the context. Look at it with maturity. This is what we need. Maturity in God, in the Word of God, in spirit. I don't know where I am with my PowerPoint, but <laughs> I, can, I can look at Alison. And she's lost as well. But hey, that's why. Are you surprised? <laughs> yeah. Let's get back to the passage. Talking about maturity, we read in Corinthians that Paul talks about uh, people drinking milk. We read people talking, uh, Paul talks to people about uh, really eating solid food. Where are we as Christians? Where are we with our maturity in Christ? Are we sticking to this, led by the Spirit of God? Or are we just hanging around, just plodding along, seeing where we get? I want to encourage you, as Christians, we need to be mature in this, and we need to be led by the Spirit of God. So this isn't holy in itself. When you read it and the words speak to your heart, that's when the holiness of God comes. So I want to encourage you to take this serious. I love it when Christians, you look at them and their Bibles are just like, they've written all over it, they've got highlights everywhere. Because in the past, before I became a Christian, the book that we used to call Holy was sat there. Nobody would touch it because it's holy. You don't touch it. You just leave it nice and clean. You just polish it now and again, make sure that it's nicely there. But this is the word of God today for us. Make sure that you feed from it. Make sure that you are led by the Spirit of God. And that guarantees you maturing in faith. We need to be mature in Christ. Uh, I had the PowerPoint slide in there of, about maturity, but it's fine. Because it's fine. Yes, a map would be great. <laughs> it would go well with maturity. Because as we become mature, <laughs> as we become mature in God... That's when, you, when we really know what it means to go. As we become mature in God, that's what it means to, to be sending people. As we become mature in God, we understand the costs of following God, and we understand what it means to be following Him. And as we mature in God, then nobody can fool us, even with the Word of God. Talking about the going to the nations, uh, there was a, a map of the world. Uh, this is brilliant. I just love it. We have uh, uh, one uh, in our house, a large, big map of the world um, on our wall. And I just love looking at it because it just reminds me of different nations, different tongues, tribes, languages, people, and culture. And it just gives me an opportunity to pray for each nation. Well, I can't possibly pray for all of them at once, but it's just great to look at it and see that there are people of God living in these nations, and there are many who haven't heard the word of God in these nations. Now, if you and I don't take the word to them, who is going to? 
Who is going to do it? If you were here last week, you know that Paul uh, and Jill Catterall, uh, they're planning a short trip to Ethiopia in a couple of weeks' time. I love who we are. We are ascending people, a new relationship with a new church in a nation that is unriched. I just love how God works. Now they get to go to the nation, even for a couple of weeks, where God has called them to, where God has really put the people in their heart, where they really have a longing to see the gospel proclaimed in that nation, and they're going to go out of their comfort zone. Well, they could have spent the two weeks in a holiday in a nice cruise or somewhere else. They could have spent the two weeks anywhere else in the world. Uh, But they decide, they choose to do this because of what God has called us to be. And I just love it that as a church we represent that. Last year, Jill and Andy Ball went to Turkey. Hopefully it'll be the same with Paul and Jill. So hopefully once we send them, we can celebrate. They're going just for a short trip. But when it really comes to sending and when you know they're gone, yay, we'll throw a party. But, but this is who we are as, an, uh, as a church, sending people. Because this is what Jesus said, go into all the world, into all into the nations and preach the gospel. And when you go and preach the gospel, the kingdom of darkness doesn't like it. So we will have oppositions, we will have hurdles on the way, because the kingdom of darkness doesn't like us growing. But you know what? The same thing with the stone. You ask God, you told us to go, and you said, you will go before us, so come, there is a big stone here. Come and take the darkness away. He will do it, because he is alive. As we said at the beginning, this is the message of Today, he is alive at the beginning and at the end. He is the only one who is worthy of our praise. He is alive today. And the one who is alive has called us to go, and the one who is alive will go before us. So let's be a worshipping people. Knowing that Jesus Christ is alive will give you a joy that even when you feel like mourning, you will lift up your hands and worship him. This is what I feel like every day. I think about all the difficulties of life, I think about all the things that I'll have to do, things that I've missed, and every difficulty in life. But when I remember that Jesus Christ is alive, I go, yeah, he is alive. Life is not without its difficulties. Uh, some, of, some people come around and say, oh, why are you always jubilant, and why are you always like this? We've never seen you like, like mad or angry. We've never seen you being down. And, well, the first answer is, go and ask Mavash. She will try to make you change your mind. But then it's because of God. It's not that everything is sorted in my life. No, it isn't. But God is working through it. I, I have been away from uh, my home country, the place I was born in, for almost 11 years now. This is my home. God has made it my home. I haven't seen my family for 11 years. I am not allowed to go back until God knows when. But are this going to stop me from... Worshipping him, are going to allow me to get down and say, mm, I wish life was easier. No, I will worship him. It's because of his name that I'm here today, and I will give him all the glory, because I know that he has a great plan for me, that he's brought me here, and there are lots and lots of things to see. There are great adventures to go with him, and I really look forward to it. Rather than focusing on the difficulties of life, I will look forward to the future and now, and what he has for me. So I will receive what he has for me today, and I will tell him more. I want more. I want more. And look forward to the future. So are we up for worshipping him in every single circumstance of our lives? Are you ready for it? Are you really going to give him everything? Are you up for allowing him to take over? Do you really feel like it? Or you don't? 
If you don't, then you're in the right place because that's when faith comes through. If you're not feeling 100%, then ask him to come and lift you up and then lift up your hands and worship him. In the days of good and bad, the first thing we do is to bow down before him and say, you are the king of kings. If everything is sorted, then our worship is just, yeah, of course you worship. Of course, because there's nothing to whinge about. There's nothing to say, oh God, you didn't do this right. But when things are not working, then that's when worship is even greater. So let's stand up together. If I could ask the band to come up. Let's represent Jubilee. Let's represent the people of God. Let's represent who we are. And let's represent our understanding of the risen Lord Jesus. Do you believe he's alive today? Hallelujah. If you believe that he is alive today, give him everything because he is the only one who's worthy of our praise and worship. Give him everything. Dance for him. Dance before him. Lift up your hands in, in every style that you like. Lift up your hearts before him and tell him how much you love him because he's alive. Death couldn't hold him down. Let's celebrate his resurrection and let's celebrate it even as we leave today. Celebrate it when you go home. Celebrate it tomorrow and come back next week with great expectations because he's alive. And when he's alive, he does things when his people get together. So let's worship him, Jubilee. I'll hand over to Andy. Let's dance before him. Bless you all.